So what if I told you that there's a local service you can partner with to gain access to critical planning tools, financial expertise, advisory and coaching resources, and real world in the trenches wisdom for almost every phase of your business's development? And what about if most of that was for free? You'll want to listen to this episode as we have a conversation with the director of this incredible local resource. Sell My Business Podcast, brought to you by Acme Business Brokers. Acme Business Brokers is a matchmaker for buyers and sellers of select businesses. We help our clients identify, refine, evaluate, and leverage their assets, leading to the successful sell or purchase of their business. So I wanted to take a minute and uh, just as a new or existing listener, make you aware of a free tool that we have available for you. And whether you're a buyer or potential buyer of a business or whether you're a business owner that's looking to sell your company, we have created a free tool, which is uh, yours for the taking. If you head to our website, which is acmebizbrokers.com, Dot com, And then right there on the main page, just click on the link for the acquisition preparedness checklist. And then there's one for buyers and then there's one for sellers. And uh, what's useful about this is a lot of times when individuals start to think about selling or buying a business, it's a good idea to just start understanding some of the factors that you'll have to deal with at some point during your transaction. And we've organized a fairly comprehensive set of questions and then put them into a checklist format so that you can use them quite easily to just get a beat on what you're facing, uh, what you'll need to think about and uh, what all will be involved in the purchase or sale of a business. So go on over there and grab that. Again, it's a free tool. It's called the Acquisition Preparedness Checklist right off the main page of acmebizbrokers.com. Enjoy it. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sell My Business podcast. Thanks for uh, listening in. Uh, in this episode, it's a, a trialogue conversation with our special guest, Miller Slaughter from the Small Business Development Center at Western Kentucky University here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and uh, Greg Reynolds, our trusted volunteer advisor again, uh, sitting in and providing insights and feedback as well too. And rather than getting too much into what we're going to talk about, I'll, I'll let the conversation speak for itself. But it's, it should be very helpful in terms of um, helping you as a business owner understand that there are resources in your direct local community that can help you to plan and strategize and implement across your entire business. Obviously, Miller brings his 30 years of business expertise to the table. Uh, his background is he spent 30-plus years in marketing and general management for big brand names. You'll hear some of the names of the, uh, the companies that he did work for. Terrific career. Then he rotated into the Kentucky uh, economic development area and developed bringing companies here to the region and then made his way into working with the local area chambers 
and then eventually took over directorship of this uh, program that we have here called the Small Business Development Center. And you probably have something like it in your area. I'll let, again, the conversation um, sort of lay out what's available through these centers, but they're an incredible resource and uh, worth taking advantage of. And as always, the uh, links to the resources mentioned in the conversation are below. And if you enjoy this podcast, if you like it, please uh, share it and like it. And as always, you can comment below. With that, we'll jump right in. Enjoy this episode. Our guest today is Miller Slaughter. And uh, just some quick highlights on his career. He's been doing what he's been doing for 30 years as a, as a professional in general management. Uh, he's helped many small businesses. He's had his own. He's done six years of work here at the WKU right. uh, SBDC. And uh, we'll get into what that is exactly. And then he had a rich career in corporate America as well, too. So you did some work with consumer brands. Yep. Coppertone, Maybelline, and a few others. There's some big ones. You then migrated to doing some work at the state level for small business development? Yeah, I worked in the Cabinet of Economic Development, uh, primarily in the area of industrial attraction, trying to bring industry into the marketplace. Uh, did that both with uh, the state of Kentucky and then also with the Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce. We want to talk about the chamber as well because... Uh, our market's growing quite a bit, and you probably have some insight into that. Yeah, we have a world-class chamber here, no doubt about it. It's in uh, historically in the top five in the nation, if not in the top three, four chambers in communities of this size. It is truly a world-class chamber. And then there's some other co- topics we'll touch on here as well. I also have uh, Greg Reynolds with us. Uh, he's joining us. He's our trusted advisor for Acme Business Brokers. Again, another uh career entrepreneur, super successful growing companies and building them up and merging them and selling them. So he's, he's good at that. He's a good resource. So the Western Kentucky University SBDC program in yes. the center here, what exactly is that for those folks that aren't aware, don't know? Yeah. We often say that the small business development centers are uh, the best kept secret in town. And truly, they probably are. They, they are the best friend of small business. Uh, small business development centers are part of a nationwide network. We are in partnership with the Small Business Administration, the SBA, and we provide free and confidential consulting to small businesses. So we sit around a table, much like we're doing today. We roll up our sleeves. We try to identify what the issues and challenges and questions facing these small businesses are and try to develop a pathway to answering what those th- what the questions are. So that may include helping to develop a business plan, putting together financial projections. We also get a lot of people coming in that are wanting to start a business or buy a business. And there's a multitude of questions and issues that they have. Uh, How do I go about doing this? How much can I afford to pay? Will it be profitable? What kind of organizational structure should I be operating under? And we help them address this and take it from idea stage all the way into the market stage and then further. So about 60% of our clients are going to be people that are just trying to start a business or perhaps buy a business, start a franchise, etc., About 40% are going to be existing businesses that once they're up and operating, they need some additional help, someone to talk to, maybe marketing. How do I use digital marketing? How do I create a website? 
perhaps some financial work. Gee, I'm getting ready to grow and I need a loan. How do I go about doing that? Perhaps I'm starting to struggle. Help me figure out what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. So those are all the issues we get involved in as a small business development center. In the state of Kentucky, there are 12 offices like this. Uh, we are housed here in Bowling Green at Western Kentucky University, and we serve uh, about a 10 or 11 county area right around Bowling Green. So that's us. So right now, currently, how many how many small businesses are actually engaging in the service and uh, are you working with and helping? Sure. We, we will see about 200 new clients every year. And then we will also have many of those continuing. So we may see 500 different clients or 500 clients in a, in a particular year, something like that. So we're constantly working with clients, but about 200 new ones every year. So you probably see all phases of their development. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. As I said, 60% uh, are going to be just startups. Hey, I've got this idea. Uh, I need to figure out, is it a good idea? And how do I take this idea from my head and bring it into the marketplace? And we're going to help them with all phases of that. And in truth, quite often, as we get into the discussions, they're going to discover, you know, this may not be such a good idea in the first place. And that's bringing value to the client also. Absolutely. How, how often does that happen? Very often. Yeah, very often. So we may see, as I said, 200 new clients a year. We'll probably help 20, 25 clients actually get their businesses started in a year. It goes up and down. So probably 10 to 20% of the people we see will end up actually starting a business. The rest of them, for whatever reason, decide this isn't the right time for me. Miller, what's the typical profile of someone who comes and sees you and aspires to start a business? Boy, it's all over the, the map. We get quite a few that are just mom and pops. They may be young people. They've come out of college. They've got an idea. They want to get it started. But I would say a lot of people are sort of in the middle age of their life. They've been doing things for a while and they're just tired. They're sort of frustrated with working for someone else. Perhaps they've been in a business and they just realized this isn't being run. I could, I could do better. You know, they're 30, they're 35. They decide it's time to do something on their own. We're also, because of the demographics, beginning to see a lot of people that are beginning to be a little bit older that might come in and say, you know, I've worked for a long time and I'm now 55, 60 years old. Maybe I'm, I'm a retired teacher or something like that. And they feel like it's time that they want to do, maybe it's part time, but they, they just want to do something on their own. What about uh, the other end of the spectrum? Are you guys starting to see, especially being attached to the university, are you starting to see any, or what do the numbers look like with the younger demographic, younger aspiring entrepreneurs? We see a fair amount. There's a lot of discussion in the marketplace now about millennials and the sense of entrepreneurism. And what we seem to feel is that they have an entrepreneurial desire. But in truth, they are facing a lot of real challenges that makes it difficult for them. They have, frankly, accrued a lot of debt. They've gone to universities. They've got $100,000 worth of student loans. They may come and jump in and we're having to say to them, this isn't the right time for you. 
uh, and let's develop a plan so that two years from now, maybe it will be the right time for you. So we coach them through that process so that their aspirations, their dreams of starting a small business, running their own small business can be fulfilled at some point in time. Smart. Yeah. Miller, what percentage of the small businesses that you actually see that, that launch a new business are brick and mortar storefront versus online? Yeah, most of what we see are either going to be home-based or brick and mortars. That's probably 90% of what we see, but we are beginning to see more and more that are online. But everybody has this feeling, wow, online is easy. I can sell to the world. Well, that's true, but the world can sell to your customer too. And so the challenges of being an online business are really quite unique. How do I get found on this massive worldwide web that's out there? And that's where some of our services in marketing, digital marketing, website work really come into play. It's, it's not easy, though. Not as easy as you think. It's a moving target. Yeah, we'll get Always people the, in here all the time that say, well, I, I want to sell jewelry online. We can help you, but it, it, you know, you're not going to get rich in the first year doing that, most likely. Yeah, it's really a matter of where does my first $100,000 worth of business come from and how do I identify that? Yeah. You know, I, there's been a lot of discussion uh, of, of late about marketing, about the social media versus the old fundamental ways of connecting with people and having real discussions, you know, personal discussions. And uh, it's still very difficult to, uh, to, to, to engineer a marketing plan that doesn't involve some personal discussion and face-to-face -face oh, relationships. Ab absolutely, no question about it. Customer relationships are absolutely crucial. And from a marketing viewpoint, certainly social media is has a role and an increasing role. And they can help you get found. But ultimately, when they come to see you, it is very much about the personal relationship and it's about the experience that they have. It isn't just about I'm selling a widget. It is did people... Trust me, again, people want to do business with people, not with a business. And social media can play a role in connecting the owner and the person to this business. But when they come in, they want to see you. They want to talk to you. They want to experience you. That's all about the buy local. That's, you know, same way with restaurants. Uh, you know, why do some restaurants succeed and fail you go in and it's a lot to do with the experience that they have. What's the what's the environment like? It's not just about is the hamburger good. So when folks come to you and come into the into the center and it's point where they're they're kind of preparing the business or getting it uh, set up for the next stage of its development, how often from the lens of buying and selling a company? How often does that occur? And then when it does, like, what, what are some of the more common scenarios you see from business owners that come to you and they're like, I, I think I'm getting ready to sell this business or I'm getting ready to buy this business. And what, what are the indicators that you look at? We are, frankly, are seeing much more buy-sell action than we used to. When I started five or six years ago, I might just see one or two. I'm seeing five or six a year now. And the reason, I think, is partially demographic. 
It's because there are so many small businesses out there that are owned by people that are 55, 60, 65 years old and, you know, the, the baby boomers. And they're beginning to age out and say, okay, I'm really ready to transition into the next phase of my life. And you've got that next stage of people that are coming in and trying to get the buyers and the sellers hooked up can be a real challenge. You get a lot of people that want to buy a business, don't know how to. We get a lot of sellers that, you know, a sale is not just a sale. There is, how do you figure out what the price of this business is? And so part of being a seller is don't come in, you know, three months before you're ready to sell the business and say, let's put it on the market. Much better off coming in two or three years in advance and let us start to position this company in a way that you can get maximum value for it. There's a lot of different customers, but if this thing becomes a distressed sale, the price just went down. If you're selling to one of your employees, it might be up if it's friends or family or connections. So you have to begin to think, how do I get the business so it is best structured for a profitable sale. And you don't do that in the last three months. Miller, does your small business development center help a prospective seller with the evaluation of their business? Uh, yes, we do. And by the way, with a buyer and frankly, probably more often even on the buyer side. And I should say that we are not professional business evaluators. There actually is a category of people very much like category of accountants that are CPAs. There are certified business evaluators out there. So yes, we do help them evaluate it. Um, likewise, on the buyer side, very often a buyer is going to come in, maybe they're an employee or they're familiar with this business and they want to buy it. We're going to help them look at it from their side of the equation. How much can you afford to buy it? How much do we really think this thing is worth? From the seller side, if we see them soon enough, it's how can we increase the value of this business in the next couple of years so that instead of getting $100,000 for it, you're getting 150 or 175. And there are things that you can do to improve the valuation of a business if you start planning in advance. So as far as trends that you see in the marketplace here, we talked a little bit about this um, the last time we were together, yeah. but Bowling Green is um, kind of blowing up, getting big. Bowling Green is a great market to do business. It is one of the fastest growing cities from a population base in the state of Kentucky. It is in the top five in the nation from new projects, from an economic development viewpoint for communities of its size, has been in the top five in the nation for the past, I think, five years or so. Uh, and it is a fantastic place to do business. Whether you want to start your own business, whether you want to buy a business, whether you want to purchase a franchise, however you want to approach it, it is a good place, but you have to do it right. You have to be smart. And frankly, that's where the Small Business Development Center can be a real assistance to you. Okay. Any turn In terms of trends for businesses that are emerging here, are you seeing anything that's kind of interesting like a pattern? I know. Yeah. Um, we... We are known for restaurants, but restaurants, I will say, are probably one of the most difficult businesses to get into. Um, from a risk viewpoint, one of the most risky businesses, and we warn them carefully. In fact, if I get somebody in here who doesn't have restaurant experience, first off, you're not likely to get it financed. 
But even if they can finance it themselves, I'm going to recommend, listen, before you do this, how about you go work in a restaurant for a year or two, maybe become a manager or an assistant manager. Let's make sure you learn things and A, is it for you? Because owning a restaurant is not a nine to five business, a lot of work. In fact, we are getting ready to start a series here shortly on uh, five steps to starting a small business. And one of the very first steps has to do with phase one. Am I personally really ready to bite this off? And that, frankly, that's true for buying a business, starting a franchise. To me, the first step is a little bit of self-assessment. And we're going to be going into that in our next podcast. Um, all right. So what, what else is going on here? I mean, you said you just mentioned a couple of events there. Are there other things you're working on throughout 2018 that people should know about? Sure. We, and we do, as a service, provide workshops all the time, probably at least one a month, if not two a month. We're trying to gear those up. Um, my associate here, uh, Maggie Fields, who is helping us, our next workshop is going to be in the world of digital marketing. How do you use digital marketing to grow your business? A couple of months ago, we did a workshop on how to start a business. It's everything from a discussion of legal structure to how do I register it, the steps we have to go to. Um, we've had workshops on how do I fund my business? Uh, many of us have never gone to a bank. And you know, when I first started uh, my own business years ago, while I had 30 years experience in large corporate America, I had never been forced to go to a bank, yes, for a house loan or a car loan, but not, not for a business loan. That was sort of a scary process. And so we have had workshops on how do you get financing for your business? What do banks look for? How can we get you prepared? And by the way, that is one of the major services we provide. It really is getting the business ready for financing whether it is a startup, a purchase of a business, buying a franchise, or expanding their current business. Um, a big piece of what we do is helping them put together the financing. Now, we don't give loans, but we know what you have to have to be bankable and can help you get set for it. So when you go to the bank, uh, you're able to sit across the table from the bank and say, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. Here's what the marketplace looks like. Here's my financials. And here's a lot of the other reports and documents that we need. It just makes the process go easier. Think for a moment if you're the banker. And I walk in and say, hey, Mr. Banker, I, I am looking to start my own business and I need a loan for about $100,000. And you start to ask questions like, what are you going to use the money for? You say, well, I'm not real sure. I mean, I've got to buy some equipment. Hmm. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about the marketplace? Who's your competition? Well, there's somebody here, but really I've got no competition. Man, I'm, I'm unique. Talk to me about the experience. So they start to ask questions and they start to probe and they start to get really uncomfortable. Now imagine the flip side. You walk in and you say to the lender, I need to borrow $100,000 and I'm going to use it for this, 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 and this. Let me tell you a little bit about why this is a good idea. The problem in this marketplace is this. A few people that are trying to address it are A, B, and C, but the problem that they've got 
is that they're not dealing with this particular issue. And so my business is going to, and you start talking about how you're going to bring some added value into the marketplace and how you're going to make money and how you're going to market the business. And this is all done in a 15 minute conversation. And then you hand them the market, the uh, business plan with a complete financial projections, their personal financial statement, their tax returns, and a few other little things. And the banker says, ah, this is somebody who's done their homework. They're prepared. Suddenly, I'm feeling more comfortable that this person has the capacity to run the business. So a banker is going to look at, is this a good idea? They're also going to look at, does this individual have the capacity to manage it. And if they come in unprepared, the banker's probably going to start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I will tell a client, if you come in and you need $100,000, one of the early questions I'm going to have is, let's, let's talk about what you may need from a lender's perspective. And you are likely to need at least 20% down in cash. So do you have $20,000? They're going to want collateral for the balance of it, or at least the vast majority of it. So do you have $20,000 and do you have $80,000 for the collateral? Now, is it absolutely required? No. There is room for negotiation depending on the circumstances of the project, but you're going to need a certain amount of financial wherewithal to pull this off. And that, frankly, that's a reason that so many of our clients don't make it. They're not ready. We're going to say to them, okay, you need to go talk to some friends and family or others. Well, you need to improve your personal credit score. You need to sit, get some cash built back up into the system. You need to get some experience in the industry. Come back in a year or 18 months, and maybe we've got a better chance. Small Business Administration has very strict requirements for lending. Yes, they do. Banks can underwrite loans based on their comfort of risk. But with the SBA, it is what it is, and it will be what it is. The, the SBA, by statute, currently requires a minimum of 10% down. Now, they want more. They typically want at least 20% down, but they will not give an SBA-backed guarantee unless you have 10% cash in. Now, Miller, that's changed a little bit over time. Yes, it has. And that 10% uh, requirement, I believe, is part of their new uh, SOP that came out in the last few months. Before, there was a little bit of wiggle room in there. They wanted 20, but you might be able to. If you don't have 10% now, the SBA won't back it. And this becomes really frustrating um, for prospective small business owners because you know, they feel, I've got this great idea. You know, if I had all the money, what do I need you for? Sure. And by the way, that comes into play a lot on the buy-sell side also. And so this may be, oddly enough, this may be a wonderful business, may have been in running for 15 years and is quite profitable. And the asking price is fair. And maybe it's $200,000 for the business and the client comes in and says, I want to buy this well-established, very profitable, cash flow positive business. It's $200,000. And I ask the question, do you have 
cash to invest and do you have any collateral? And the answer is no, 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 no. And my credit score is 550 or below or something like that. The answer is not going to be no, but the answer is going to be this is going to be very difficult from a traditional lender to get finance. We need to start seeking some alternative actions. Um, can we get investors? Can we get owner to participate in the financing? And so that's becoming big these days. Owner finance financing is becoming big. Um, and it's probably becoming bigger for two reasons that I can think of, and I'd love your opinion. But one is the baby boomers are beginning to want to exit out. So there's an increased flow of the businesses to sell. The next generation coming up to buy is somewhat less than it has been in the past. And many, many of these people coming up, the millennials and, and others, are strapped for cash. So they're in this position where I don't have a lot of personal wealth. You want to sell your business, great deal. How do you get that financed if I've got $100,000 worth of student debt? And the answer very often is the seller is going to have to get involved somehow. Lenders have played a very active role in that process too over the last few years. They like the idea of the former owner having skin in the game financially and being connected to the business to ensure a smooth transition. They've kind of driven that as much as anything, but you're absolutely right, Miller, with what you're suggesting. Uh, people today, unfortunately, that aspire to be business owners and who have skills and attributes that are uh, reflective of that, they don't have the money. Right. And, you know, they have to have some sort of hook there that lenders are going to look at and say, that's okay, you, you've got a lot of what we're looking for and you got the seller in, in place right. here to help you, we're willing to participate. You know, and, and truthfully, if, I, if I'm a seller, um, selling a business is a challenge and I, one of the first things I'm going to suggest to them is let's think about who potential buyers might be. One of the potential buyers very well may be someone who works for you right now. Absolutely. Maybe you've got your manager. Okay, how do we then transition this into a sale from me to a valued employee that I want to reward, frankly, for years of working with me who has the experience to do this, who would dearly love to have their own business how can we do that? And it can work to everyone's benefit. It can. And there are strategies from a structuring of things that you can put into place to help make that happen. Absolutely. And it's, it's becoming much more prevalent in business yeah. transactions. And I will speak to that a little bit as a business advisor, having an intermediary representing both of those parties is very, very yes. critical. Yes. You take the emotions out of it and you secure the interest on both sides of the equation in a much more effective way. Yeah. And you know, and they both have interest. And as a note from from the small business development center side, we cannot represent both sides of the equation because we consider it a conflict of interest. So if a buyer comes to me, I will work on the buyer side. There needs to be someone else working on the seller side. And yeah. you, can, you can get in touch and, and work these things out. Yeah, let me uh, sort of tell everyone 
Again, um, the Small Business Development Center, the one at Western here is at Bowling Green. To reach us to request an appointment to meet with us, you simply go to our website, which is www.wku.edu forward slash SBDC, which stands for the Small Business Development Center. When you get there on that landing page, there'll be a little button you can click that says request an appointment. Click on it, fill out a little bit of information. It will send an email to me and I will give you a phone call generally within 48 hours. And we'll set up a time and have you come in and wrestle with whatever, whatever issues you have. Well, perhaps you're not in the Bowling Green, South Central Kentucky area. If you are in Kentucky, we have a statewide website that is www.ksbdc.org. That's K for Kentucky, sbdc.org. There's a listing of all of the uh, locations across the state of Kentucky. There's also a wealth of information uh, on there, resources that are available to you. So we'd be glad to help you. It's a great service, great community service. And Miller, you're offering free services to these people. Yes. It's very, very uh, seldom that one can get this kind of advice. How are you funded as an organization? That I'm really appreciative that you asked that question. We are funded under grants. The federal grant comes through uh, the Small Business Administration. Thankfully, um, the budget that was just I guess approved last night that's getting ready to go to President Trump. Uh, we Our funding was maintained in that. So we're The second source of funding is from the state of Kentucky. And the third state of uh, funding for me comes through Western. So we get funding from the SBA, the state of Kentucky, and in my case, Western. If you're housed at Murray, you're getting funding from Murray. Now, funding from the state and from the university levels is frankly uh, really being challenged right now. As most people in Kentucky know, uh, the state legislator, legislature right now is working on the budget. Uh, it is still um, a challenge to see whether our funding is going to be maintained in that budget. And right now, we don't know. And we're hopeful that as the Senate and the House reconcile that, that budget, that we'll remain in there. We have been for 35 years, but I will tell you we are at risk right now. We were not included in the, in the Senate's version of the budget. Small businesses typically have fewer resources. That's where the SBDC kicks in. We are your access to resources. We are a mile wide, and I, I think we're more than an inch deep, frankly. But where we are a little thin, we're going to know where resources are that you can touch. Um, but we can cover a lot of things, and that's the reason I say we are small business owners' best friend. We are the only completely fully accredited um, small business consulting group in the state of Kentucky by the SBA the only one, and it's free. Can you imagine what you would pay to be able to sit down with and spend hours and hours and hours? Yeah. And we do. We spend hours with consult with clients. You would spend tens of thousands of dollars. 
in order to gain access to this sort of support and help. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of being a successful entrepreneur, you find out over time, is being resourceful. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Find people that you can talk to. Yeah. And it doesn't just have to be the SBDC. It can be a friend, even if it's they're in a different industry that you can sit down and talk to. If they've got sure. business experience, have a cup of coffee with them and say, I'm struggling with something. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, you, you often find that the thing you think you're wrestling with on your own that's never happened to anybody else. <laughs> Usually has. <yes. laughs> it's happened to everybody. Yeah. Miller, is there a group that's been organized in our immediate area here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that consists of small business owners who get together periodically and share their thoughts and their ideas and talk through the challenges and the rewards and the benefits of business? Well, certainly you've got a lot of work like that that goes on within the chamber. Uh, the Bowling Green Chamber is a great networking group. It puts people together. They have sessions. They have workshops. We do also. There's the Young Entrepreneurs uh, association. There's the Women's um, Entrepreneurs Association. So there are several of these around. Get on the line on the email or uh, Google and you'll find a few. You can learn so much from others' experiences. Yes. You know, it's, it's one of the most valuable resources you have. Yes. It's been there, done that theory that you hear about. You know, a non, another wonderful resource we have in this complex where we are talking today, which is the WKU Center for Research and Development. This very much is like a one-stop shop for entrepreneurs. Okay. So in addition to the Small Business Development Center, we also have the Kentucky Innovation Network. And they um, help small businesses and have access to venture capital they do a lot with engineering. They're a great resource to connect you onto the hill. We partner together with clients. We also have a complete facility here that has a, uh, an accelerator or an incubator where businesses can come, have the infrastructure in place, have resources that are readily available, get their business started, spend a year or two here and then move on out and let the next person next person come in. That is all housed right here at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Can you imagine this is a this is a world class place. And to have access to the Small Business Development Center, the Innovation Network, this accelerator, um, it is absolutely an amazing place. I, I gotta tell you, Western brings so much value. Their commitment to economic development um is phenomenal. We're deeply appreciative of that. Uh, we do a lot of work with students, by the way. We do a lot of work with professors on, on campus. So we bring value to the, and Western brings value to us. If you are a prospective business owner, whether it is you're wanting to start, you're wanting to buy, you're wanting to purchase a franchise, whatever your desire is, please enlist help. Um, I highly recommend the Small Business Development Center. We're aware of other resources that we can help you tap into. Again, our services are free. We can be reached uh, www.wku.edu forward slash SBDC. We can point you in the right direction. Uh, this WKU Center for Research and Development is a fantastic place for you to come. So give us a call. 
If you're in the market for a business or you'd like to see examples of the businesses that we have for sale, go to acmebizbrokers.com forward slash listings. You can browse our featured as well as our standard listings and you can download the spec sheets on each business. Thank you for listening to the Sell My Business podcast. Be sure to subscribe to listen to future episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Acme Biz Brokers. All content is copywritten. Acme Business Brokers 2018.